You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight for the Rates and Lanes podcast. I am your host, Rico Muhammad. Apologize about last week. We had a little something come up, but we didn't want to just leave you hanging out there without anything, so we had a pre-recorded show from, for last week. Uh, just touched on the basic topics from DAT, USDA, and the broker report. And tonight we're going to start out in the exact same fashion. We're going to give you that same pertinent information, but tonight we are going to be joined by our special, I call him our resident mentor, Chuck Snow. Uh, you guys that listen to the show on a regular basis, you uh, should be fairly familiar with who Chuck Snow is. Uh, he is uh, one of our Canadian. He is from Canada. His company is in Canada, but they, they are they run in the United States. They are the largest brokerage in Canada, and he also is an asset-based trucking company, a uh, nice size asset-based trucking company. So if you have any questions or concerns, you can always feel free to join, chime in and join the conversation to ask your questions specifically to Chuck by pressing the number one. That gets you in queue. We can try to get you screened, and we'll get you get to you as quickly as we possibly can. We welcome your participation. There's also um, tonight's show is going to be centered a little bit around a particular article that Chuck sent me a little earlier in the week. There's a link to that article that came from the Wall Street Journal up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page if you'd like to mosey over there and check that article out real quickly before Chuck comes on. Uh, Our conversation is kind of going to be centered around that, but of course we welcome all of your questions and your input as well. And beginning the night off, I wanted to try to just give a brief summary report uh, of available loads that are out there on the spot market right now from one of our sources. We are showing that right now there are 44,720 available flatbed loads available on the spot market. There's also 30,625 dry van loads available on the spot market, and there are showing 23,442 reefer loads available on the spot market. This report also shows that there are 17,988 heavy haul loads that are available. Specialized loads are showing 15,866 loads that are available. And LTL freight, we are showing 4,800 and 39 available loads on the spot market. Just another little addition that we wanted to try to add to the show tonight, but uh, we're going to jump over into this week's report stemming from the USDA, and we're going to be posting a link to the USDA fruit and vegetable report up on the Facebook page for Rates and Lanes with Rico Muhammad. We'll be having it up there shortly having a little bit of a technical issue trying to get links to post right now from my laptop, so we're going to have to try to do it another way. But we'll have the link up there for your viewing pleasure a little bit later. 
Um, but starting out on this report, we have only two markets that are showing slight shortages. Those two markets that are showing slight shortages, according to the USDA, is Idaho and Merrill County, Oregon, and also Columbia Basin, Washington. Those two markets are showing slight shortages of trucks, loads to truck ratio. There are there's only one market that is showing a slight surplus. That means there's a little bit of surplus of trucks versus the loads. And that market is San Luis Valley, Colorado. So if you happen to be in that market in particular, you may want to make sure that you're taking your backhaul with you. And of course, there's one there's uh, one other market that is showing an outright surplus. There are way more trucks than there is uh, freight available in this particular market. And, and this comes as no surprise, Central and South Florida. That's the particular market that is showing an outright surplus of trucks. So like I said, we will try to have this link up for your pleasure at the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. There's a lot more information that is on this report covered here on the show. Just want to remind everyone that um, when they listen, when they're listening to the show and we go over some of the stuff, and if you happen to click on the link and look at the other additional information that is available, there is some rate information that is posted on this report, but you have to take that rate information with a grain of salt because there is not the USDA does not have a proper vetting mechanism to actually vet those reports of the of the rates that they are showing on their reports. Basically, anyone could just uh, say any number, blurt any number out, and uh, USDA will take that as the gospel and will incorporate that into their report. So. Don't, I wouldn't try to use the rate information off of this USDA report to try to negotiate any type of rates for uh, if you any serious rates if you're trying to do anything in those particular markets. So just wanted to kind of put that out there as a little bit of a disclaimer. Moving on from that DAT report on over to the trend lines report for this week and of October 23rd. This comes from DAT. Rates rise in October for van and flatbed loads. Load availability rates rose in October compared to September. Freight volume also exceeded 2015 levels for this month, but rates did not catch up to the previous year's high. So let's go ahead and take a little bit of a deeper dive into this report. And we're going to jump into the national van demand and capacity portion of this report. For the week of October 23rd through the 29th, van load availability and truck post both slipped by 1%, which caused the load-to-truck ratio to remain 0.7 loads per truck. The national average van rate dipped by $0.01 cent compared to the previous week. Let's take a look and see how fuel prices performed over this past week. Fuel prices were unchanged. National diesel price stays at a national average of $2.48 per gallon. So let's jump into the rate information for dry vans for this week. After holding steady for two weeks, van rates dipped by one cent. 
down to $1.65 per mile from last week as the national average outbound rates increased in the Los Angeles and Chicago markets but fell in, a, in major northeastern markets. So let's take a look across the country and look exactly how and check on to see exactly how those spot market rates were performing. Starting out in that north in the northeastern markets, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checks in showing average spot market rates for dry vans at a dollar seventy one cents per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing an average spot market rate for dry vans at a dollar eighty two cents per mile. Moving up into Chicago, the Midwestern portion of the United States, checking in, showing spot market rates of $2.02 for dry vans. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $1.51 per mile. And moving over to the west coast, Los Angeles, California, checking in, showing spot market rates at $2.07 per mile. Jumping over and moving over into the U.S. flatbed and demand capacity report for the week of the 29th, I mean, excuse me, the week of the 23rd through the 29th. Flatbed load postings declined by 8% last week as truck postings increased less than 1%. That caused the load to truck ratio to decline by 8%, dropping it down to 14.4 loads per truck for the national average. Flatbed rate gained one cent compared to the previous week. Jump over and look and see how those rates were performing nationally on the spot market for flatbeds. Like we said, there was a one cent increase in the national average for fuel surcharge, which caused the flatbed rates to increase by that one cent up to a dollar ninety-two cents per mile on average. Taking a look around the country, beginning up in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Harrisburg checking in, showing an average spot market rate for flatbeds at $3.08 per mile. Dropping down south into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.08 per mile. Moving up into the midwestern portion of the United States, Rock Island, Illinois, checking in with spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.28 per mile. Dropping back down into the south central region of the United States, Houston, Texas, checking in. Average spot market rates for, uh, for flatbeds at $1.94 per mile. And rounding out the coming out of the west coast, the western region of the United States, Phoenix, Arizona, checking in showing average spot market rates at $1.60 per mile. Moving over into the National Reefer Demand and Capacity portion of this report, reefer load postings declined less than 1% last week, while truck postings were down 2.5%. That resulted in a 2% increase in the load-to-truck ratio, up to six loads per truck, gaining from the 5.9 loads per truck for last week. The national average spot market rate for reefers was unchanged compared to the previous week. So let's just jump in information for this week. 
Uh, national average reefer rate was unchanged compared to the previous week, holding steady at $1.90 per mile. Some key western markets had strong showings to start the run-up to Thanksgiving. So taking a look regionally across the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey checking in, spot market rates for reefers showing at $1.69 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Lakeland, Florida checking in, showing paltry, paltry, paltry rates at $1.24 per mile, which is already an indicator uh, uh, from the USDA report showing that there is a glut of trucks in that particular market, central and south Florida, which is normally always the case. But I digress. Moving into the Midwestern portion of the United States, Green Bay, Wisconsin checking in, showing and always leading the pack, showing spot market rates for reefers at $2.62 per mile. Dropping down into the south central portion of the United States, and I think we're starting to see a little bit of flow out of the Rio Grande. McAllen, Texas checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $1.69 per mile. And wrapping up the report coming out of the West Coast, Fresno, California checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $1.84 per mile. And before we get ready to bring Chuck Snow on, we're going to wrap up this little monologue portion of the show, ending with the um, bad broker report. This week, trying to see we have a couple of new additions to make their debut on the report. So now's the time to make sure that you got your pen and paper handy. Make sure you're not getting caught out by any of these companies. The first one to make the debut on the Bad Broker Report for this week, Cascade Logistics, LLC. Their MC number is 940-289. They have over $26,000 in non-payment complaints that are being reported. They are considered an extreme risk, so make sure do your due diligence when you're booking loads. Cascade Logistics, LLC, makes the bad broker report. Kinetic Transportation, LLC, their MC number is 617-158. They have over $97,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. Make sure that you are doing your due diligence. Kinetic Transportation LLC makes the bad broker report this week. And the last entry, MJD Transportation Brokers, MC number 963929. Their surety bond is set to cancel on 11-4-16, over $7,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk as well. So there's three new companies every week that seems to be about, you got about three or four uh, brokers that are making this list every single week. So make sure that you guys are doing your, your proper vetting process before you uh, obligate yourself to a company that is not taking care of its business and you will be transporting freight for free. With that being said, Let's go and bring on our resident mentor. Let's grab him up and see what he has going on for this week. 
Mr. Chuck Snow, thank you very much for joining us. Chuck, Thanks are you there? Thanks for having me, Rico. I always enjoy listening to your show. It's always a pleasure having you, Chuck. I kind of told everybody tonight that uh, I, I put a link up of the article that you sent me on the uh, Facebook page that, you know, kind of our discussion is kind of going to be centered around this article from the Wall Street Journal by Erica E. Phillips and Paul Page. Uh, they've done a nice little article, a uh, nice little in-depth article, and we probably would be good just in case people didn't get a chance to go over to the um, go over to and, and grab a copy of the article. Maybe we'll read a little bit and pieces of snippets out of this article so people will understand exactly what it is that we're talking about. Um, Great idea. And and I'll be, I'll begin that by just start off with the article. Big trucking companies have spent the second half of the year shrinking their fleets in hopes of changing the imbalance between the supply of rigs on the road to tempered shipping demand that has flattened the industry's earnings. They will learn in the coming weeks as retailers stock up at stores and distribution centers for the holidays whether efforts to slim down capacity have produced rate increases that the trucking companies say they need to increase profitability and to expand fleets next year. Trucking industry reports in the coming weeks will take the pulse of a market at a critical point in the fourth quarter when companies look to build off momentum in consumer and manufacturing areas 2017. Industry data groups ACT Research and FTR are due to report this week on, on new heavy-duty truck orders for companies in October, a critical month for setting fleet plans for the coming year and several months in which orders have plummeted historically to low levels. DAT Solutions LLC, which measures freight rates in the industry's trucking market, which we happen to highlight here on the show, will report the next week on whether carriers' efforts to rein in capacity amid timid demand are pushing up prices as hope. DAT says that prices for spot market freight hauls and shipments moving under long-term contracts have been slipping for the most for the most of the year, and that those rates in September were down by 6.4% from the same time a month earlier. A month, I'm, excuse me, they are down 6.4% from the same month a year earlier. We haven't seen any difficulty in finding trucks, said Ken Foster, the chief executive of logistics company SunTech Transportation Group, a broker based out of Jacksonville, Florida that finds and books trucks for freight shippers, it's clear that overcapacity has driven down pricing. In quarterly earnings reports, this month, Swift Transportation Company, Warner Enterprises, Inc., and Covenant Transportation Group, Inc., said that they have pulled a combined hundreds of trucks from service since the second quarter. Idling trucks is a way large, wait a minute, idling trucks is a way large fleets can quickly reduce capacity to match demand, which has stagnated this year amid uneven retail imports and sluggish growth manufacturers. Swift, the country's largest truckload carrier, counted 581 fewer trucks in the third quarter than it did this time last year and plans to cut an additional 
200 trucks in the fourth quarter. The company's fleet tops at 19,000 big rigs. Werner, the fifth largest U.S. trucking carrier, according to SJ Consulting Group, said it cut its fleet by 240 trucks in the quarter, ended September 30th from a year earlier. The company posted a 41% drop in the third quarter net profits to $18.9 million and said that its earnings statements that it won't add trucks until we see meaningful improvement in the freight and rate markets. Phoenix-based Night Transportation, Inc., whose net profits fell 23% year-over-year in the third quarter to 23.4 million, says that the average age of its trucks have, has grown as the carrier delayed in buying new equipment and focused instead on getting more use out of the trucks already in its fleets. Trucking companies have struggled with weak demand this year, with volume and shipping prices falling while retailers and other businesses work down excessive inventory levels, U.S. domestic truck and rail shipments fell in September for the 19th straight month, according to research firm Case Information Systems. Still, several companies said that they see signs that the downturn in freight demand might have bottomed out. Covenant and Heartland Express, Inc., reported year-over-year declines in third quarter net profits that were similar than the second quarter declines. Swift Net's profits improved 4.7% year-over-year in the third quarter, largely because of the company said we were cutting costs and improving efficiency. And that's the article in its entirety. You can find a link of this article up on the Rachel Lane's Facebook page if you want to just go back and have that for your um, for your archives as well. Chuck, you want to go ahead and chime in and tell us, you know, if, if companies, if the big boys are, are having these types of issues, and we know good and well us the small guy has been catching hell all year long. You want to kind of give us a little bit of a, um, you know, kind of give us your take on this whole thing? Well, I think what's happened is I think an awful lot of that business that the – big companies had enjoyed for so long has migrated to third-party brokers and ended up a lot of it's ended up on the on the smart spot market boards and i think our listeners and people that compete with our listeners are hauling an awful lot of that freight and all we've seen is a disruption another and i love that word it's another disruption in the marketplace where everything's going along a certain way, and then all of a sudden something changes. And now all of a sudden, the way businesses run this these days, service is certainly important. Uh, it's paramount, but so is price. And most of these large companies are so cost-centric. They are, you know, they've instructed their people to grind out every single penny they can. That's the new world order we live in. So one of the things, areas in which companies love to grind down costs is transportation because most companies don't see the value added. They expect their goods to come into the supply chain for them, and they need that, but they don't want to pay for it. And if they can do it at a better cost, at a lower cost, they will. And that's what's been going on. So I think, as you've mentioned in the article, 
how much, you know, you think of every one of those trucks is doing at least uh, a minimum of $200,000 a year in business. And, you know, you think of these companies pulling hundreds of these trucks out of, uh, out of service. And not all that business has died. It's just gone other places. And at the same time, if you look at how all of these load brokerage services, especially the big ones, the, the Coyotes, the uh, C.H. Robinsons, uh, TQL, how they've grown and, you know, they've become behemoth. They're getting all that freight and not just they, but other brokers as well, that used to be enjoyed by those carriers. And now the smaller carriers are getting a lot of it. That's one of the areas. The other area is things have changed again in retail. We have gone from bricks to clicks, where people used to go, and they would uh, go out and they would do their Christmas shopping. They're doing it from their desk. And you've got all of these online orders going on. So that is... That has changed the way supply chain flows, and it's not going into the retailers through the uh, historic distribution centers and from there into the stores. It's going right into these mammoth distribution centers, so you need less trucks because you're, you're moving freight from origin. It's going into the distribution center. It's going direct from the distribution center into people's homes. So it's missing a couple of legs here. One in particular is from the distribution center through the supply chain to the stores. It's not hitting. And this has been highly, highly disruptive to uh, the motor carriage industry. And that's why there's, you know, there's so much room as well. And that's why these numbers are flat for these large trucking companies. And, of course, everything ends up on the spot market boards. Now, I shouldn't say everything. There are those companies, and I always say this, there are those large companies that are manufacturers, whether they're manufacturing a food product or they're manufacturing soaps and detergents or whatever, and they need vast quantities of trailers dropped at their doors because that's just their business model. So the smaller carriers quite often can't participate in those runs. And those are the runs that the big guys are still doing. But they've, again, even the big guys have lost some of that business that was going from the manufacturer into the, even into the grocery stores. People are buying groceries online. They're buying their dish soap and their laundry soap and, and bulkier things that perhaps they may have bought at the Price Club or uh, now they call it Costco. I guess I'm giving away my age. Um it's not going through those distribution channels anymore. So it's going direct again. You have these large boxes of detergent that people are having delivered right to their home. Because one of the things that's going on, as my son Doc pointed out to me, the biggest expense other than our housing, the biggest expense we have is our car. The second biggest expense is quite often things like telephones. How big is a telephone? It fits in your shirt pocket. How many telephones can you fit in a 40-foot container? Thousands of them. So as we're sizing down as a society and people are going to smaller homes, especially in, um, in urban areas, because nobody can afford to have a 2,500-square-foot house 
And now we're seeing people in Toronto who have four and 500 square foot apartments and everything is miniaturized, which means that the furniture is smaller, which means they buy less furniture, which means there's less need for trucks. So it's everything hitting at one time. And we've got to figure out amongst us how best to navigate these waters. That's so important because the change is coming. You know, we are getting hit with, you know, the um, electronic logs. They're coming out, you know, another 13 months. We're going to have those. Um, We're going to get speed limiters throughout North America. All of these things are coming. And we can complain and complain all we want that we don't like it, but it's the way it's going to be. So how can we? Buy- I meant to have made mention of of, of the uh, ruling that came down. I meant to have made mention about that at the top of the show. Thanks for thanks for going over that. Oh yeah, with the it went to the hearing and um, OIDA lost that. Right. And it, I must say that it was a valiant fight, but you know it's um, you know you're really fighting that 800 pound gorilla in the room. Because that was coming, and I, I really think that some of these laws are being pushed by the large carriers themselves to put everybody on a level playing field. And they have right, lobbyists. Right. Um, they have a much, you know, much better access to lobbyists than even combined. O, OIDA, God bless them, don't have the they don't have the amount of money behind them that the large carriers do. So, so everybody's fighting for market share. Some other fight. news on a, on, a, on a different front before I go too much further, just wanted to try to drop this out there and we'll get right back on the topic, Chuck. Uh, but this just came out, a new story just came out on November the 2nd. Progressive Insurance suspends writing policies on new carriers. Um, that's 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 kind of weird. But... Uh, I just wanted to get that out there. That just that just came across my blurb over here um, that they suspended writing policies on on new carriers altogether. Wow. Um, but back on to the topic at hand, and just to remind everyone that's listening in, if you have a question, uh, whether it be on this topic or if you just have a question in general, for myself or Chuck Snow, you can press the number one. We'll get right to you. Uh, We'll get to you and get you screened in, and we'll get you up and on board. We always welcome caller participation here on Rates and Lanes. And now tonight would be a great time to get a question in if you got a question or a concern because we do have our resident mentor that uh, wears both hats as a broker and as a motor carrier. So, you know, Chuck has a, a wealth of knowledge and experience so if you got any questions about your company, trying to grow your company, or doing anything else as well, we'll we'll, we'll hear and available to take those questions as well. Uh, but getting back on task here, Chuck, um, one thing that also stood out to me in this article that we just went over is how um, they are that that they, they, they got a couple of reporting agencies that are looking at the truck orders and how many of the larger fleets were saying that they are trying to get more use out of the older trucks in their fleet versus going out and buying newer trucks. And that's 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 also having a trickle down across the board because if they're, that, that's going to have an effect on the different parts and components that you need to build a truck that, that we are that we're moving about through the 
country, and it just kind of all ties in. Uh, the tentacles connect one another all the way across the board. Um, it, that's very interesting. So from a motor carrier standpoint, from your point, I'm ask you to put your motor carrier hat on right now. And we've always been we've been talking about this uh, agnosium here on the Race Lane podcast about trying to get your own customers and stuff like that. Um, what does this? How does this outlook look as far as new business and trying to obtain new business? Uh, any suggestions that you would use other than uh, what we've already kind of talked about before? Is there any other things you would maybe suggest as far as niches in this? coming and changing market with things getting so tight? Well, the you know, the best niche market you can get into really, and we, we have talked about this before, is the short haul. Um, it just makes so much sense. And I think that, you know, the, the shorter the haul, the, the more you make per mile. And you may not do 100,000 miles a year, but if you can make more money doing – 50, why would you want to do an extra 50,000 miles? You're just burning fuel and burning out a truck, which costs a lot of money. And, you know, as to that trickle-down effect, do you, do you remember it's got to be almost six months ago, um, and we had talked about, I guess, the first um, crack in the armor, and I think it was Volvo in Virginia or North Carolina, had just laid a bunch of people off. And we were talking about that. And that's the first time we saw in this round. Now, we go through, you know, our industry goes through this every, you know, let's say five to eight or ten years. We're almost overdue for it because look at how fast things were growing Um, and, and look at the speed of expansion of fleets and look at how long it took for new order builds for trucks and trailers for a long time. It was, um, you know, you'd have to wait months and months. And now I bet you you can walk in and get a truck or trailer within a few weeks because the factories have slowed right down. And that, of course, has that, again, that trickle-down effect to everything else. And the best thing, everybody's going to be fighting for market shares. So the best thing we can do is figure out where we live, where the most opportunities are. And try to stay close to home because I think that's where the, the money is going to be. Um, you know, running coast to coast is just going to be, get harder and harder. I think the rail is, uh, they've had a tough time. And I think you're going to see an awful lot more of that long distance freight and even medium distance freight go on to rail. You're going to see people starting to hold more inventory. Remember, all this stuff with, that we do, Um, is based on just-in-time service, which is relatively a new concept that started in the very early 80s, late 70s. It started with the automotive industry, which they copied from a business model in Japan. The difference is, in Japan, the business model they were copying was probably on a 400-square-mile radius, not running just-in-time freight from California to New York City which is 3,000 miles. So it makes it a lot more difficult to navigate that just-in-time on over-the-road service. Now, the rail is fantastic when it works. There are problems because, you know, you get into the winter and uh, switches can freeze. You have derailments. 
And, of course, when you have a derailment, then everything goes upside down, uh, figuratively as well as literally. Um, and, you know, there's, there's always derailments. So there's another business for somebody is to pick up some of that freight that your local company that's manufacturing in your town and they're using the rail, perhaps go to them and say, listen, I'm your go-to guy. Um, you know, I don't run California, but, you know, maybe if you're stuck and there's, um, there's an opportunity, there's a freight trail uh, train derailment and there's, uh, you're not getting your product there in a timely fashion, maybe I can help you. Or maybe California is stretching it and maybe you don't want to run that far. But if you're going to break your business model of running, you know, local and you're going to run long distance, try to make those deals. Those are the niches that are out there. And it really depends. Niches just depend on where you live. You know, like like I've said before, you know, if you're in a town that everybody's got flatbeds because you're in a steel city, maybe do the opposite, you know. Maybe go and get a dry van or reefer because that's the type of equipment that nobody probably has. And if you're in a if you're in a town where everybody's hauling meat, maybe get the flatbed. Go against the green. And that's where the niche is. One of the, another thing that I wanted to kind of pull out from this article as well, uh, I'll, I'll re-highlight this portion of the report. And I quote, from a quote from Ken Foster says that we haven't seen any difficulty in finding trucks. And Ken Foster, just to remind people from the article, is the chief executive officer of logistics company SunTech Transport Group, uh, a broker based out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, they, so, so, and, and I want to try to tie a couple of things in together with this whole thing. Um, it's clear that he goes on to say that it's clear that overcapacity has driven price has driven down pricing. Now we just gave out a bad broker report, uh, and every week that that report seems to constantly be growing. And one of the concerns uh, with all of the stuff trying trying to tie everything in together is that, you know, we got more and more people that are coming on board. You got a lot of people that are jumping out here wanting to get their own authority. Um, and not everybody needs to be in business, and not everybody needs to be a motor carrier. That's not to try to um, dampen anybody's dreams if that's what it is that you want to do. What I'm sa- I'm saying that to say this: we have a lot of people in this industry that don't really understand market, you know, don't understand their cost of operations. And if you don't understand your cost of operations, and you're out here on operating on the spot market. And you're not keeping the, uh, and if you're operating strictly off of the spot market, you really have to know your costs inside out, backwards, forward, you know, every which way possible because it's so critical. The margins are so thin when you're operating strictly off the spot market. Now, I said that to say this that you got brokers that may be, to get a truck, may be willing to cut into a little bit of their profit margin because they have obligated themselves to a longer term contract but obviously that you know um they they haven't anticipated on prices fluctuating as much as they may uh may be and then they get themselves in a pickle by cutting into their profit margins and now they can't pay 
drivers are necessarily, they can't pay the motor carriers the rates that they agreed upon. They're getting into trouble closing up doors, and then you have this whole trickle-down effect of the whole driving down of the overcapacity, the, the, the pricing market and the overcapacity has created out here on the spot market. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're I think you're right on the money and I think part of it is these brokers are, are dipping into their um their overhead to um you, you know, they're dipping in to try to make ends meet. An awful lot of times these brokers aren't putting enough of a margin on to cover the overhead. So in the end they, they lose money and you can only lose money for so long. And they're hoping somewhere they're going to catch a break, which they end up not catching. Because we're living in a very, very transparent world. If somebody's having money problems in the brokerage community, everybody knows about it. And you know there are, you know there are media such as this one, and there's Facebook, and and there's all sorts of ways of getting information. And it's real. Quite often, it's real time information. And, you know, when, when they start canceling bonds, it's pretty serious. But one thing I do want to say, <clears throat> the industry has made companies like DAT. Now, I don't, we use DAT in, at our place. I don't use it personally. I'm very familiar with their Canadian subsidiary, which is called uh, Link Logistics or LoadLink. And I know that on that one, you don't have to have great credit to be on there. And what I said to the manager at uh, from Link Logistics many years ago, we were on a roundtable discussion. Uh, it was a public forum for a uh, for a transportation group up here in Canada. And I said to her, for God's sake, take the bad players, whether it's bad carriers or bad brokers, and and we would solve a lot of our problems. Why should somebody that is about to commit a fraud one way or another be allowed to advertise their company on the industry's media? Are you following me? Right, and and I don't think that we really got into it, and I don't know you know, if you got a, an opinion one way or another on the whole network, um, you know, FOB, the, 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 the <laughs> that old debacle. Because they left a lot, they 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 had a lot of people left out there in the lurch. Yeah, and you know we get these, we we get we also get these from the other side. We get rogue, we call them rogue truckers, which is unfair because uh, they're just crooks. And what they do is they will line a broker or a carrier up to steal a load. Absolutely. And they, they give you know, and that's quite common too. So when we, when these carriers, when they're partaking in any of this or double brokering and and any of this misbehavior, they shouldn't be allowed on these, you know, on these services, whether it's uh, truckstop.com or um, or LoadLink or DAT or any of them. So the best way is you freeze them out. Unfortunately, they have the ability to start out under another name. Or they buy a company that's almost defunct. So you, it's not going to be perfect, but it would be better. Because I think that, especially the smaller carriers, 
I know what it's like. You get desperate, and you've got your truck stuck in Denver, Colorado, on a Friday afternoon. And it's better to take that load and risk not getting paid sometimes than it is to take that load and or not take that load and be stuck there from Friday until Monday or Tuesday. And that's a real problem. But I keep telling people the, the sure sign you're about to get ripped off is if the load pays way too much. If somebody's paying, if it's too good to be true, it's always, it's definitely too good to be true. And it won't be true. Beware. So um, just another little quick little tidbit I want to throw in while we are uh, have a little bit of time as well. We were talking about local companies, you know, going out and being that local player. As we've always said, you know, one of the things that, that can help you out if you're a little bit intimidated, not sure exactly what to do, if you know companies in your local area, you know, try to take inventory of the companies in your own backyard. Write those company names down. Jump on jump on LinkedIn. These are free resources. Get on LinkedIn and put that company name in on LinkedIn, and, and more than likely some decision makers for that company will be in your area, and that's an easy way to maybe get a point of contact for you to maybe even start the process of going in and, and pitching yourself or at least letting raising your hand and letting these companies know about you. You know, we, we kind of dubbed it, you know, get out of the company's blind spot. They don't even know you're there. Just like when uh, a car is in our proverbial blind spot when we're rolling down the road. We got to do more things as a small motor carrier or one truck Charlie. We got to do more things to get out of the blind spot of, of potential shippers that are right there in our backyard that would love to do business with us, but we have to take the initiative to go out there and, and, and make ourselves known. And once we make ourselves known, uh, sell them on the service factor. Uh, know that Chuck talked about earlier about, you know, and this is true, pricing, uh, pricing. You got a, you got some companies that really don't give a damn about service. They just are, they all about price. But if you can show them the difference in service and, and also deliver them a good value on pricing, you, that customer is more than likely going to be really hard for you to lose, and it may give you an opportunity to present itself for you to begin to expand and grow your company uh, with, a, with a brokerage division or something, you know, just to, to start brokering out some of the smaller stuff. Or, or like our good friend George Heck has, you know, he's got a company that, you know, they don't really want him brokering out any of their freight, but, you know, they want him to expand his services to help accommodate and take care of more of their problems. So, you know, we have got to be problem solvers, and we got to take the initiative and the drive to go do those, do those things. So, you know, utilize those free assets. You already got half of the dollars there if you ride around and get company names, ride around in the industrial park, and just go back home and start doing a little homework. Do a little homework. Spend some time doing that and setting yourself up. And if you know the area that you want to service, you just reverse engineer the whole process on the back end to, to begin to wane yourself off of the spot market trap of doing well, business. Rico, I want to add something, though. If you're going to play the, if, if you want to play the spot market at the same time, go ahead and do it, but play – a tight area. Post your truck uh, within 
it, you know, if you're in Milwaukee, if that's where you're based out of, post Chicago and post Green Bay. So even the local brokers and even the long distance brokers will call you for those 150 mile or 100 mile trips because that's where the money is. You don't have to worry about a backhaul. You get to sleep in your own bed every night and service the hell out of those people. You know, I got to tell you a fast story, and it, it's not a funny one. Um, a, uh, I do a lot of work in the Chicago area, and I've been looking for a good guy that does flatbed and a little bit of van, just from Chicago to maybe like from Hammond, Indiana, as far north as uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, at the furthest. But most of it is Milwaukee. And I found a little guy, and I gave him some work, and he did a fantastic job. And within two weeks, we gave him probably six or seven loads. He did a beautiful job. And then we had two weekend jobs. One was from Chicago to Milwaukee. The other was from Milwaukee to Chicago. He wanted them both. We gave him both loads. He picked them both up. He didn't deliver either of them because rather than – Rather than watch his business that weekend, he went to go and have a good time with his girlfriend. And he trusted his drivers to do the work and didn't check. And that's the sort of behavior that if you're going to exhibit, don't be in this business. But if you're the sort of person that's going to service the heck out of customers, whether they're a third-party broker customer or a direct customer, You'll do real well in that market because there's huge demand. If you're in Jersey, service parts of the city, service Long Island. Those are the things people don't want to do. And people will pay for it. You know, success can be yours. I, I look at companies all the time. And the real successful ones don't go far, far distances a lot of times. They run shorter That's distances. Great we got someone that wants to jump in and get in with us here, Chuck. We're going to jump over and grab Gwen. When you're up live with Rico and Chuck, how can we help? Oh, hey, hey uh, Rico and Chuck. I uh, just wanted to th- say thanks to you guys. I've been listening, and I've called in several times. I was going to say, I didn't go with uh, Chuck's advice about the, uh, like, trying to do, I live in Minnesota, and didn't go with the Duluth to Minneapolis just because there's like three LTL companies that have terminals in Duluth and and other and a few other companies that already service it plus the local carriers that are of size and also do it so it seemed you know so it seemed like I'd be throwing myself with a lot of bigger resources but I've been doing like you guys say pounding the pavement trying to get customers it's like you know the one I've had I'm I think I'm going to get but I'm just working my way up the chain is under an hour from my house. And it's like people booking them are like in Atlanta and, and all over. And it's like, you know, as a carrier, it's like, hold on a second. These guys from like Atlanta or Illinois or Delaware, wherever the heck can call these customers. You know, if you're a small carrier, why the heck can't we call them? You know, they're in our house in essence. So Uh that's just one of the things I was thinking about, you know, and just well, because to your advice, and that your advice is, is helpful. I'll tell you what. One of the reasons is because those people that are in Delaware or Florida or California or whatever have taken some sales training courses. They know how to engage the customer, 
and they're um, they're getting all the freight. And there's no there's no law against you doing that as well. You just have to make an effort. And part that's part of the problem with our industry is we have lost that ability to market our services effectively because it's a it's tough sledding. You know when you go, you got to remember when you go to make a sales call and you're calling for you know and you're trying to be a regional player and they go well we don't have anything from uh, Minneapolis to Milwaukee or Chicago but we got lots going from Minneapolis to Florida and that's the sort of stuff they throw at you. So as a small regional carrier, you'll say, well, we don't run Florida, where these third-party brokerage services says, sure, we'll take all your Florida, and then they'll go out and find trucks. And that's the big difference. And that's where the, even the big guys are losing market share because brokers don't say no to anybody. Even Florida this time of year, even Florida in the middle of July, when there's probably a hundred trucks for every load. Uh, nobody really wants to go to Florida, but if you pay them enough, they will. Right. And, and just to, just to throw this out there, I don't know. Of, um, you know, there are a bunch of different low boys that are out there. Uh, some low boys cater to different markets, but one of the things that I have found out, just want to put this out there, un, an unsolicited plug, uh, truckstop.com, ITS, they do an excellent job on trying to put content and material out there for the owner-operator. Uh, just today, uh, they had a webinar. If you are a subscriber to any of the two, uh, truckstop.com, they have, and, and I noticed this a lot with their stuff they put out, they have these webinars, and today they had a webinar. The title of the webinar was Developing New Shipper Clients. Now, of course, they have a product that they have available on their uh, platform that they are trying to market, but there, are some, there was some halfway decent information. I was listening to the webinar as I was going down the road. There was some halfway decent information that's, uh, that they include in that. And, and the thing about it that, that I try to always tell people is just think about it. If you get one idea with one thing from, from information that you're looking at, that you're listening to, or that you're learning from, if, if you get one idea that gives you a spark to get you a customer or a new client, think about how how much that, that was worth. And and like I said, this was with, uh, as far as the, the Internet Truck Stop, the webinar, that was a free feature that if you're already a subscriber, that's a free kind of like a value-added proposition for you uh, that was absolutely totally free. You didn't pay anything extra for that. So it, you just it just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of, of of being deliberate about what it is that you're doing. And you know you can find a little bit of information out there to kind of give you the confidence. I think that's the number one thing and one of the things that that a lot of us one truck guys and and, and smaller carriers are lacking is the confidence to go out there and think that people are actually going to want to do business with us. We think that we're just too small that we don't and if you go in with that type of attitude, people can pick that up. People can sense that. And if you don't think that your that your service that you can provide a worthy enough service, then if you don't think that then hell, that's going to come across in your presentation and they damn sure are going to think that you can't do it. 
So you have to be mindful of the, of the way that you, you know, the confidence that you portray in your voice and your whole presentation. But the number one thing that I always say, uh, and thanks for the call, Gwen, is one of the things that I always say and and presenting that you have an advantage over is you are have the ability to go and sit eyeball to eyeball, belly button to belly button to the potential customer. And that's what those phone calls don't have. But if you but if you don't have if you don't come in there looking and presenting yourself as a success, then more than likely you're not going to be successful. How um, true, Rico. You know, and we do have First of all, there are some courses that are available. If I can suggest one of the best ones is Dale Carnegie. Um, Dale Carnegie offers. It's the oldest sales course there is. Uh, You can probably get, uh, obtain some of the books online. You can listen to them while you're driving. And if you have the opportunity, now I realize some of the listeners. Friends and influence people, yes. Yep. Um, And that book is well over 100 years old. And Absolutely. It, still, it still rings true. It applies to this day. Uh, I took the Dale Carnegie course twice, and i got to tell you, the last time I took it, I wasn't even finished taking the course, and I used what they had taught me and landed a nice federal contract. So the stuff works. And anybody out there that's listening that drives a truck, that doesn't think that they should get some sales training, I think should probably look in the mirror and give themselves a a second thought because you really do need to get trained in how to sell. Uh, There are, there's probably 1% out there that are listening that are natural born salespeople. The other 99% aren't, you know, if you look at somebody in, and I don't want to go too much off topic, but I saw, and Rico was talking to you about this the other night. Um, I saw this uh, really interesting um, documentary the other night on Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And one of right. Donald Trump's uh, associates said, Donald Trump does not have the best business acumen in the world, believe it or not. That's why he's had so many failures. But the one thing Donald Trump does better than anybody else is he's a promoter. And if you're going to sell freight and you're going to sell your services to shippers, you need to learn to be a promoter. You have to be able to promote your business. You have to be passionate about it. Um, And the best way to learn to promote is to take some sales courses. And, again, Dale Carnegie, there are books. Uh, Make sure if you are going to see customers, dress appropriately. You don't walk in with jeans or your truck driver's outfit, they don't want to deal with the truck driver that day. They will be very right, impressed right. when the when the gentleman that came in to see them with a blazer and uh, and trousers shows up the next day backing in a 53-foot trailer. You'll impress the hell out of them. But when you go in there, you need to wear a different hat, and that's when you wear your sales hat. Once you know them, it's different. Then they Then they get to know you, and they go, oh, here's our trucker, Gordy. You know, and, and they'll get to love you, and you'll be on their dock, and you'll be, you'll be one of the guys. And that's where you want to position yourself. You know, you do the stuff that the, the Werners and the J.B. Hunts and the Schneiders can't do. You know, the Don Schneider probably didn't go on anybody's loading dock for the last 
10 or 15 years of his life may he rest in peace. You listeners out there can do that. You know, you become part of the, you've got to become part of that company's success and certainly an integral part of their supply chain. That's how you're going to grow your business. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's like a marriage. You don't have a great marriage when you say, I do, and you go on a honeymoon. That's not a great marriage. A great marriage is after you've been with somebody for 15, 20, 30, or 40 years, and, and, and you can read each other's minds. That's a great marriage. And it's the same thing in business. Your customers need to be able to depend on you. You need to depend on them. You need to be part of them. It's, it's called integrity, and you need to be an integral part of their supply chain. If anybody out there wants to be successful and you position yourself in that role as a smaller carrier, you'll grow with that company. You'll also end up doing business with their suppliers and their customers. That's how you grow a business. Well, Chuck, we definitely appreciate it. The hour has gone by completely, just flew by. Wow, has it ever. Before we get up out of here, (laughs) (laughs) before we get out of here, uh, and we want to thank everybody for being patient with us. Uh, I know we started the show an hour late, had to give myself a little time to uh, get to a position where we could actually be able to broadcast. But before we get out of here, Chuck, uh, why don't you tell everybody that's still with us how they can get in contact with you and um, just give them your contact information and what you guys may have to offer over at Traffics. Yes, uh, we have freight, uh, both domestic U.S. freight, cross-border freight. We have some Canadian domestic freight as well. If you want, you get hold of me personally, and I will answer your phone calls and emails. And if you have any questions or anything, you can certainly approach me. I get back to everybody. Now, if you're going to call me, this is really important. My extension at the terminal is 203. That's my telephone extension. Phone number is 800-388-4352. And if you want to email me, it's Chuck, C-H-U-C-K, at Traffics. That's T as in Tom, R-A, F like Fred, F like Fred, I, X like Xylophone.com. Send me an email if you've got a question. Give me a call if you have a question. If you want to get set up as a carrier, let me know. I'll pay you right away. I'm looking for uh, vans, flatbeds, step decks. Uh, you name it, we use it. Don't use a lot of tank wagons, but we use everything else. Um, we have lanes all over the place, and it's really it's the Wild West. A lot of it's spot market freight, but uh, let us know how we can help you. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, we want you, we want to try to grow the podcast. So if you are, we we are committed here to um, empowering and we are here to, committed to encouraging and empowerment. That's what, that's kind of the theme of our show. We want to encourage you and we want to empower you. We want to try to give you more tools for your tool belt. So if you think that we're doing a halfway decent job with trying to do those things, Share the podcast with somebody. Tell them about the podcast. Go and like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us over on Facebook. The uh, You can search for us on Facebook, Rates and Lanes with Rico Muhammad. You go over there, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to us, like to us, so that we can try to get you information during the week other than on Wednesdays when we try to have the podcast. And that will help us 
try to grow and and be a better force in educating this industry to try to help uh, get some of the people that are taking, as some of the guys say, taking some of this cheap freight. If we can kind of get them and educate them a little bit on how they can add some tools to their tool belt, encourage and empower them, then we might be able to turn this thing around as a whole. And we thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedules to uh, join us. And like I said, the show is recorded. This portion won't be recorded, but share the podcast with a friend or somebody else that don't, that do not know about it. We definitely appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys, God willing, the same time. Well, not same time. Hopefully an hour earlier in our regular time slot at 7 o'clock next Wednesday. And we'll see you guys then. Then and there, you guys be safe. And as always, keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise. And don't let me forget. want to thank. I almost forget. I'm trying to get out of here. I'm trying to wrap it up. I almost forget. want to thank my lovely little daughter, uh, Fatina, who's back home in Atlanta, Georgia, that is, was our phone call screener tonight. And, of course, we want to thank Kevin and Lisa Rutherford and the entire Less Truck team for providing the platform for us to be able to bring this show to you guys. Now, with that said, you guys be safe out there. God bless you. Keep it in between the must and the many. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Chuck. Good night, Rico. God bless. Good night. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.